I will not turn a blind eye to any bit of data that can tell me a bit more about myself. It, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable in my own financial skin. It's nice not to have a sense of sort of sweeping stuff under the carpet, which I think brings a lot of anxiety. Welcome to the One Up Project. Money is fuel that, that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realizing you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes you think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself. And if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to another episode of The One Up Project. I am here with Jason Leong, CEO and co-founder of Pocketsmith, the best budgeting and personal finance software application out there, a company that I wholeheartedly believe in and I'm really looking forward to it. This episode is in partnership with Pocketsmith and beyond the capability of the Pocketsmith platform itself being an incredibly comprehensive way to manage your money, the team is super cool and very purpose-forward. That's one of my favourite things about the company in general is I feel that their values are really in the right place and they are impact-focused and have a really great understanding of what it means to manage your money in a way that will genuinely make a difference. So having Jason on here is a huge privilege. Within this episode, we focus on money holistically as a tool in our lives and how it seems like the typical approach to financial success might not be as logical as we all think. I love this discussion mostly because it was a very slow but also quite empathetic way to talk about money and how we can all get ahead in our finances in such a difficult time. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on the episode so let's just jump straight into it. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Welcome Jason to the One Up Project and and thank you for being here and for your time. We've had a couple of chats previous and I know this is going to be an extremely relevant and valuable conversation. So how are you? I am great. Thanks for having us on here, Sarah. Um, it's a cold day in Dunedin, but we're hoping for a beautiful, hot sunny, <laughs> summer <laughs> summer day on a Saturday. Um, so there's a perfect day to be doing a podcast with you. Yes, definitely. We're in very contrast environments at the moment because I'm in sunny, 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 sunny Mount Maunganui. Not to rub it in a million yeah. times or anything, but... <laughs> cloudy, cloudy, cloudy Dunedin. And like a, the other thing is that there's a meteor shower that's meant to be happening on Tuesday, and they said that it was meant oh. to happen from 8.30 to 10 p.m. Um, and of course, at 10 p.m., it's still light down here, so <laughs> we oh. couldn't see anything. It's all happening down oh, wow, here in the south, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, sounds like it is. That's great. Um, and we're very grateful to have you on to talk about a bit about money and budgeting for life changes in 2024. Mm-hmm. I thought it would, a good place to start would be chatting about the current cost of living crisis uh, that so many of us have had conversations about and are feeling, you know, we're feeling the impacts of a recession and and rising interest rates and everything. Mm. Uh, And I think it's important to probably highlight how budgeting might not be the be all and end all for everyone. And and it can be quite hard to optimize money that maybe isn't there or is prioritized in different ways. And so within this conversation, we're looking forward to hopefully giving you all the most relevant information that can help you in your existing situation, but also important to acknowledge that we are in tough, uh, tough times at the moment, right? Absolutely. And there are things certainly beyond our control and we a very few people saw interest rates rising as quickly as they have. And so it's without a doubt that this would have caught many households out. Uh, as I understand it, uh, about half of our mortgages are due to roll over next year as well. So, you know, there'll be a lot of people moving from lower interest rates to, to much higher ones. Um, and certainly I can't remember a time in, in my living history that I've seen the interest rates rise at such a short amount of time. Um, typically people have the space to plan for it. Um, But I guess what we can learn from this is, look, you know, the the sooner we can lay down a plan uh, and a contingency to make sure that we can be okay in the new year, uh, the better it is. Mm, Absolutely. And I think that seems to be quite a foundational, consistent element that comes up when I talk about money and have spoken about 
money and personal finance over time is having that plan. But it also seems like such a difficult thing to have that plan when we are in very ambiguous, unprecedented, dare I say it, um, times and people are always obviously evolving just personally within their own world anyway. So there's all sorts of different challenges that people face day to day that are completely new to them. Uh, I think I would be interested or would have been interested at the start of my personal finance journey to understand more about how we can actually embrace and maybe anticipate those unpredictable life changes. For you, throughout your journey, are there any examples that pop up around life changes that have caused you to reflect on your financial situation? Yeah, the the biggest one was when I decided to quit my job to start Pocketsmith. And um, it wasn't it wasn't completely planned for, I think. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it seemed like a great idea at the time. <laughs> it is still yeah. remains one of the best decisions we ever made. But uh, it was a massive financial decision to make. And I'm really grateful uh, that I had co-founders who were willing to go all in on it with me. Um, but what this actually meant in, in real world terms was giving up a, a great salary and, and employment uh, to work on a, on a startup. And we had a vague idea that we would be in revenue uh, within a year or so. But what this meant was really kind of going back to living like a student again. And so this required a reassessment of a lot of the things that I've been comfortable with, uh, you know, like meals out and not really thinking too hard about what to buy at the supermarket, uh, planning out mortgage repayments, trips away, you know, new things, that sort of. But it, it didn't seem very hard for two reasons. One is that we had no idea how long it's actually going to take. So we were quite optimistic. And you know, I'd, I'd really encourage someone to plan a lot better than we did. Um, just spoiler alert, it took us four years before we actually uh, started making any money and we started paying ourselves. And so it, you know, while we started, it was, it seemed like a lot of fun. We were really in it for the long haul uh, in order to to get to a situation where we could have a stable business that could start paying ourselves as the first employees and then beyond that start hiring people. And so mm. undoubtedly that was the biggest change for me. And I think, you know, I look back quite fondly on that time and it was financially stressful. Absolutely. Um, and we did contract work on the side just to, you know, to, to pay the bills and the rest of the time was really focused on, on working on Pocketsmith, but, you know, while we were poor, I'm certainly I'll speak for myself, you know, I was, I was super poor, but I, I wasn't unhappy, if you know what I mean. And I think what I've learned from that is that, um, you know, I had a very clear understanding as to why I wanted to make this financial change. And I had hoped for the best. And obviously, you know, like many startups don't work out. And if I had to go back into the workforce, it would have been something that I would have been happy with. But I knew I wanted to take a punt on this idea uh, and to bring it to life. And that was what really sustained me through the time. Um, that and, you know, just how amazing it felt to be working in something I really believed in and, and to be able to use our skills to, to make this app, uh, to invent this, this product that we'd had in mind. So to answer your question, yep, you know, that, that caused, um, certainly there were ups and downs. Uh, I reflected a lot on my financial situation sort of three years in as uh, I watched hmm. a lot of my friends, they climbed the corporate ladders and they were able to pay down their mortgages and start buying second homes and that sort of a thing. Not probably the best idea to talk about that sort of stuff in today's housing market. But, you know, this is, this is 2008 onwards, so it's quite a while back. And... Uh, yeah, you know, certainly I did have to question myself as to whether or not I'd made the right decision. Um, but, you know, what this goes to show is that people have very different financial journeys and and different uh, risk appetites and different ambitions for their money. But, you know, I, I think um, I'm just really grateful for having gone through that experience because it's really shaped fundamentally how I think about my personal finances today uh, and, and where I want to be in the future as well. I think there's 
a lot of value when you're first moving into a space or a new part of your life having that naivety that it seems like you had where you had no idea what or how long the journey was going to be but it ended up being probably a lot longer than you initially anticipated Uh, and you said that it, it made you reflect on your financial situation quite a lot I'm keen to know what some of the ways uh, that that experience defined how you manage money today. Mm, um, it's a great question. I think the first, the first, and most important thing that I take away from the experience is probably avoiding lifestyle creep, um, and going through a situation where I've had to keep my finances as lean as possible. You know that 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 sort of frugal aspect to, to money management that hasn't left me. And I think I've always been frugal anyway. Uh, but I see a lot of value in really being, I guess, um, being happy with what we currently have, which is a very sort of peculiar way of putting things. I think, I mean, I, I, I really don't quite, you know, I can't speak to what goes on in other people's households and, and how they how they view their lives and how they view success and what it means to progress in life. Um, but, you know, I, I do know that there's an aspect of what they call lifestyle creep when, uh, you know, you make a little bit more money and you think, look, I do deserve uh, these better things, these newer things. Um, and then the cost, your own cost of living goes up naturally because, uh, you know, you're you're more... Um, accustomed to the nicer things in life. Um, I think absolutely people should be treating themselves. Uh, and I think people should not delay gratification to the point where, you know, they got a ton of money in the bank, you can't take it with you, right? But I think that it's always worth taking a step back and uh, really taking a look at your needs versus your wants, particularly, you know, if, if you do still have an opportunity to do that, at this stage of time, looking forward to possibly a tougher economic climate, uh, why not just you know take a look inward and and think about what actually makes you happy, and whether or not money is really fulfilling that. And so, mm-hmm. over the last, I mean, since we started paying ourselves, I've really tried to keep my lifestyle to a very sort of predictable in a very predictable stage. So there's not a lot that is too different uh, today from just say, even, you know, five or, or 10 years ago, which sounds a little bit bizarre, but and I'm fortunate to be able to to live a life like that, given that I don't have kids. Um, a lot of my time is spent at work and traveling to see family. But um, overall, I haven't committed to a lot of any other expenses beyond that. So what this means is that as my income increases, I just naturally save more. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a very nice automatic way to build in some financial buffers into your life just by sort of changing the way you think about things. I think you touched on a really important point within that, which was having an awareness of when changes do happen so that you avoid lifestyle creep while still being able to be flexible and adaptable adaptable enough to treat Mm. yourself and give yourself the things that you want within reason um and a big part of that lifestyle creep is like being just a little bit more aware of when you get an increased income for whatever reason or you somehow come into a lump sum of money maybe through Mm. a will or um any kind of situation that might happen to someone it's like having an understanding that okay this is a change in my financial situation money Mm -hmm. that I maybe didn't have before or the other way around I have less money than I did before and how Mm -hmm. am I adjusting things to be flexible and adaptable with my own finances yes 100% and you know the these lifestyle changes as you've pointed out um, they're either ones that you put into action or they're ones that happen to you Um, and you know of course uh, there are some really nice lifestyle changes Uh, you know you might come into some money uh, you might decide uh, to take action. Maybe you want to work fewer hours to focus on something else that you're passionate about. Uh, you might have bought a house, which is a big financial commitment, or you want to move to a different place to live, or you want to start a family. All of these things um, will have an impact on you. 
uh, on your cash flow, both positively and negative. And I think being unencumbered, as unencumbered as possible uh, at any point in time uh, is probably the best way to move into a new phase in your life. Um, so given that, I think giving yourself the time to really game out a bunch of situations is one of the best things you can do for yourself. Um, where, I mean, when we started Pocketsmith, we, we were out to build a product that would help people see their financial futures. And, and that means um, making it possible for, for your everyday consumer to make a cash projection just to see how much you'll have in your bank account every day moving into the future uh, and to compare these scenarios to say, look, if I, um, if, if I went along in, with my current tra tra trajectory, this is where I'm going to be five, 10 years from now. Um, if we just say lost one income along the way, what would that look like? If we decided to buy a house, uh, what would it look like to put down a deposit and what would the repayments look like? The, the main idea being, if you could actually take a look at all the possible outcomes and for work and personally, I, I like to have three possible scenarios to look at. So, you know, what's the optimistic scenario? Uh, what's the sort of business as usual scenario and what's a pessimistic scenario. And I'd encourage most people to take a bit of time to sketch it out. Uh, might be on pen and paper or a spreadsheet or an app like ours to, to put yourself in that future state, um, both good and bad. And from that point on, understand the kinds of decisions that you'd have to make, you know, like what problems will we see and what decisions will we make? And I think that really would help alleviate a lot of the anxiety uh, that comes with big change. And it, you know, you, when you, when you sort of give yourself the space to do that now, I think you've taken a lot of that power back into your own hands. And that's something I feel that I wish I learned early on in my financial journey. Uh, you know, what does the future mm. look like? And I know it can be kind of lame to talk about retirement and, oh man, it's like 20, 30 years away from now. And we're not even thinking about a horizon that, that's far ahead. I think having a, like building in a habit of gaming out the future, um, which is not even just about disaster scenarios. Uh, you know, some people will call it goal setting, um, but really a big part of it's look, where where do we want to be? What does it look like, you know, five years from now? Um, and the easiest part of it is to, first of all, take a look at what your current trajectory is doing. So, you know, if we keep earning in this manner and we keep saving in this manner, uh, what does it look like five years from now? And then how do we either want to improve that or what options do we have for changing that? Uh, what can we afford to do with that money today? It's actually, you know, I don't think it's even a nerdy thing to do. I think it's it's actually super fun because it when you start doing these things, you realize it's less about your finances and more about your aspirations and more about your mm. hopes and dreams for yourself and your family. And then, you know, when you do this, you start to establish a sense of why you want to create a budget or create a plan, which is really the key motivator for anyone embarking on this sort of financial journey i couldn't agree more i think it's one of my favorite things about pocketsmith in general and your team all exude this as well is that focus and that priority on that why piece as a part of mm. not only your financial journey but your life journey as a whole because you mentioned it when you spoke about quitting your job and taking the leap into beginning Pocketsmith, that why really drove you in so many different ways. And it was a massive part of staying consistent and, and motivated and disciplined towards achieving those goals and milestones that got you to the place that you are today. And it is constantly coming up when I talk to people about what they don't have or should have or need to have when it comes to their money is like, why even bother budgeting mm. or trying to earn more or doing anything to do with your finances in the first place you need I think to have that personal connection to those efforts because mm. otherwise it's not worth it what are you even doing it for yeah I completely understand it's if you and and that's probably why a lot of people find budgeting quite a chore because 
it's, I mean, budgeting is so similar to other um, sort of lifestyle categories like nutrition and fitness. And mm. I mean, it's, it sucks to diet and it sucks to work out generally, right? Because they feel like chores. Uh, whereas if you have a why, if you've got a clear reason for doing it, it makes it so easy. And, you know, I think people in both the nutritional and fitness sectors would say, if you haven't given this a shot, uh, you should do it at least once and see how you feel about the outcomes. And that will give you an idea as to why you want to keep doing it. So similarly with budgeting, if if it's never quite worked for you, it's, it's likely because there hasn't been like an end goal. Uh, and mm. budgeting without a goal is a lot like, you know, take like doing a diet without an outcome. It's like, why, why, why diet? Well, I don't know. Then it's like, then, then don't <laughs> because you're just suffering. It, it's, it becomes an act of deprivation without, without a, without a, a set outcome, without a reward for you. So all of it's got to be. Absolutely. Um, the nice thing about Absolutely. budgeting is that because we're looking at numbers, I often think about like, um, I mean, what if you could go to the gym and stand in front of the mirror and look at yourself, like just say six months from now, if you could see that picture, you'd be so motivated to actually go and do the work. Uh, but of course, there's no such thing as a magic mirror that can do that. Well, not, not until next year, I think when AI comes and snaps a photo of you yeah, and just shakes your body. <laughs> but with your finances, you can do that straight away. You can say, what if I, I stuck to this plan and what does that look like in the future? So it can be mm. immediately rewarding in that regard. So, um, yeah, the, the why uh, I think is, you know, I mean, as they say, the best budget is one that you can stick to. Uh, and, you know, mm. the best way to do a budget is, is the way that best appeals to you because we're all built differently. Uh, we all think differently. And it's so important to keep trying different ways uh, to find a system that really gels with you. And but the most important thing is mm. the, the why. You know, it's got to be something that that uh, motivates you to want to stick to that plan uh, and and put in those controls. And the other part about you know both fitness and and dieting and budgeting is it's not so much that I think there's there's a misconception that budgeting is kind of you know, a sort of a big brother type rule that's imposed upon your liberties. But in actual fact, it's about you taking control of your money, of your body, of your nutrition. All of that is you putting the guardrails in so that you can achieve the things that you want. And mm. I don't think there's, uh, you know, I don't think we're talking enough about that out there. I think personal finance and budgeting still, it still has that cloud over it. Um, that sense of deprivation, that, you know, sense of maybe being judged about your decisions. Um, and, uh, and that really needs to change. It almost seems like we still view money as the goal and not the tool, mm. you know, because money is really there as a resource to get you maybe not even to a place because to me, success truly is about the journey and the constant pursuit rather than the end milestone. But yeah. it is a tool to put you on that journey to somewhere that's going to make you happy. Yes, that that's 100% true. And I think, you know, things are so fast paced now. Uh, there's so many ways to um, see what you don't have in life through social media mm. um, and you can't there's you know, so many ways to spend that money so quickly as well as compared to 15 years ago when we started the company you know e-commerce is now like at your fingertips and you can you can earn money you can spend money quickly um, but it's all moving so quickly that many of us that haven't had a chance mm. to really take a step back and go what is it I want as opposed to what what is it that I'm being peppered with and being told is right for me? Mm. And you know, I completely agree with you. Money is the way to get to that that point. But you know, I think most of us are led to believe that we need to accumulate a lot of money and then take a step back and make decisions about what it is that we want to do. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, and it 
maybe, I don't know, like a, maybe it is a change in the way that we teach kids about money to begin with. And, and, um, there's definitely like, certainly when I was growing up, there was maybe less of a, of an emphasis on, and I was very lucky to, to have the parents that I have who were super encouraging of, you know, what it is I wanted to pick as a career and study there, you know, they let me get a degree in philosophy, uh, you know, so that probably <laughs> means that they weren't too concerned about me being a doctor or a lawyer. Or, um, and that was one of the best things uh, that I think I experienced going through uni. It was it was eye-opening. It was fun. It helped me to evaluate uh, my place in the world and what it is I wanted to do. Um, and I think we need to give our you know, our, our kids, our younger people, a chance to really explore what's meaningful to them in life. Um, part, like as, as part of that financial education. So, you know, it, mm. it, and this is, of course, it's coming off the top of my head, you know, and I've been longing for a, a good financial, like personal financial syllabus for schools now for, for a long time. A lot of the work that we do here at Pocketsmith is, is largely remedial because, People are being thrown into the financial system, taking out mortgages for the first time, and we've not we've not been taught. Like we we're taught about physics and chemistry, biology, um, economics, but we're not taught how to manage a, a household budget or to you know how to apply for a mortgage. Most of us actually learn about these things as we go into life, um, and sometimes that's five ten years too late because you know there are things that we could have done earlier on. So, you know, I, I still long for a financial syllabus and there, there's some great products out there um, that are now helping kids role play uh, finances at school and, and, and it sparks that curiosity. Um, but I do think that, you know, there's, there, there might even need to be a sort of a mini life coach aspect to the, to the finance component just to help tease out the why. Um, and it's so important nowadays when this you know, again, with the internet, so much interference coming in from all directions that may well make it, well, both easier and harder for someone to to get an idea, get a sense of um, what their why is. It's so interesting you bring this up because I had a conversation with someone this morning who is in their last year of law school mm. and... We were talking about why they chose to go down that path at all. And money was clearly a very huge part of why they chose to study law and and, and wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, and they said something really interesting. They said, yeah, I thought that I would study law so that I can make enough money to be financially free and then I can decide what I want to do. And I thought that was such an interesting way, like perspective mm. on how to live life. And it's definitely very different to how I've ever thought about living life. And maybe that's as a result of the privilege I had growing up where money wasn't a consideration in terms of it being something mm. that seemed scarce at all. But I stopped and I thought about it for a second because it was truly as if the money was the key mm. to happiness in that person's life. Like I was seeing that just in the way that they were talking about their career, but that's a lot of time spent on something you may not necessarily want to do to get to Need. a place that you yeah. are not even sure. Yeah. Exists yet. I completely get that perspective. And I, it's, it's a very common one, uh, particularly in Asia where you, you know, you go to school, you graduate uh, get a great degree, get a job, um, and along the way, figure it out. Because um, it's true, uh, it'd be terrible if you sort of realized where you wanted to be and you needed the money, but you didn't have the education or the job to be able to fund it. Uh, that's, I guess you can't go wrong technically if you have a stable job and a great career uh, and you've got the money and then, you know, money makes opportunities possible right and without any money you've really got very few opportunities 
um, I guess the challenge is that a lot of people get into their careers and find out that, oh man, you know, this, this really isn't for me, which is fine. I mean, I, I know of quite a few lawyers who've been, you know, through, uh, you know, their degrees, uh, they've, they've set the bar, they're working in law firms, and they're not happy because the hours are, are super long and the works, the work is tough. Uh, but they've, they've chosen to change and change is always possible. So, yeah, I mean, that, that perspective is, an, is a super common one. Um, and the only downside really are that, you know, that probably a lot of people out there working jobs, um, maybe with really great salaries, but they're, they're unhappy. But life is always a balance and happiness is relative, right? So <laughs> some people might mm-hmm. like um, just having that separation of, of work and life. Uh, and maybe that is, in, that is important to a lot of people. Um, whereas I'm, you know, I'm really grateful for the job that I have. I think, um, you know, if you founded a company, you're sort of inextricably linked to the company and its cause. Um, however, we've learned, um, to find balance here as well. And, um, and I, I can't disagree with the fact that we, we wanted to, to build a company and to have the independence uh, to be able to make the decisions that we want to make for our lives down the line um, and mm-hmm. also to be able to live life on our own terms and to build, I guess, a culture and a service that was based on our principles. Uh, and we don't take for granted that uh, there's a lot that lies outside of someone's control when they're working in a job for somebody else um, mm-hmm. and how they're paid. So... Yeah, I guess big risk, bigger reward. If you were to go back and, you know, someone had presented you with an idea of like, hey, uh, you know, it's a really great job opportunity if you like do this degree and just say work on Wall Street or something and you can exit in a few years with a few million dollars and then maybe retire early. What do you think younger you would have thought of sort of that, that perspective on, on building a nest egg early and then taking off? Does it sound appealing to you at all? I would have thought this sounds good. Let's do it. Where do I sign <laughs> up? <laughs> yeah, I, I I would have thought so too, actually. And then like, you know, when we when we started approximately, we thought, okay, you know, this could be this could go really quickly. We could have an early exit and uh you know, we'll figure something out to do from there. But I think the fact that it's taken a while and we've understood the value of growing slowly, um, you know, has has that you know, that's really rewired my brain. Um, because I, I can admit to being off like, you know, like you, that friend of yours of sort of looking at a career, um, you know, going up the corporate ladder, making a good salary and then figuring stuff out as, as I went. Um, but, you know, I'm just quite happy with the, with the way that this journey has panned out, but I can see her perspective. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a completely logical way to think that's the interesting part about it is that it's completely logical to think Mm. that way based on the society so many of us especially in a western context have been brought up to to believe and and to look at what a definition of success is typically to us um and so it's like that way of thinking there's nothing wrong with it it Mm. makes sense but it just is missing a few pieces, I think, that ultimately would maybe inform you a bit more about what would truly make you happy versus what would help you get to the same place that what looks like any quotes everyone else is around you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think a gap year should be mandatory. So, you know, like in between oh, uni and, yeah. uh, and, and high school and uh, you could spend it, you know, all your on the couch playing um, on the RX box, or you can <laughs> go and have a big OE. It doesn't matter, but it's a chance for you to to take some time out uh, before plunging yourself into a degree, which I think, I mean, my first year was a complete waste of time. You know, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just picked up the courses I thought mm. I needed to do. Didn't enjoy them at all. Mm. You know, one of them being computer science, would you believe it? <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I studied accounting, so I would believe it. <laughs> Um, and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't discover a love for, um, for business until I started doing it. And I think that's a, that's a place and a time for everything. But, um, 
I'm, I'm more and more, I think, like when we think about the great uh, resignation that happened over COVID, that was almost like a forced gap period for a lot of people. Um, you know, it gave mm-hmm. them the chance to, for whatever reason, take a step back and, and reevaluate what made them happy. And I think that's super powerful uh, for a lot of people to go, you know what, um, I'm willing for uh, to forego a part of my income in order to better pursue what it is uh, I care about. And in fact, you know, uh, at Pocksmith, we've been looking at research that talks about the future of work, which I think is actually the, the here and now of uh, a 60-30-10, where your main gig uh, takes up 60% of your, of your time, and you've got like 30% on a side hustle, and 10% of your time on a, on a passion project. And I think we're really moving into an era where this is entirely possible, and where people are really looking for fulfillment beyond their day jobs, or they're really mm. folding their feet and and going to companies that share, uh, you know, values with them. There's an alignment of principles and and work culture. Uh, all these options are certainly available now. So, and that that plays quite interestingly back into that money situation, right? Where you know, if we're seeing a lot of people worldwide willing to step back from their work or to reduce their hours, maybe a large part of the population is realizing that, you know, accumulating all of that money isn't material to what's meaningful to them in their lives. You mentioned in a conversation we'd had previously that having the right conversation at the right time can be something that um, could change a person's life. And so it's probably for those people who are listening and might think that there's a million and one things they need to know about money and how to make the right and he quotes mm. right choice. Um, it all really just starts with taking an interest or a curiosity towards one part of something and then building up from there. Maybe it is thinking about what actually you want or is other people's definition of happiness similar to yours or how to have a, effective budget and then you realize actually maybe this doesn't work for me and and taking one step rather than feeling overwhelmed by needing Mm. to know every inch of who you are and how this world influences what you want and what that means and how that drives (laughs) us that and the other thing (laughs) completely agree it it can be super overwhelming and uh you know even for me i don't feel like i've got to track every aspect of my financial life all the time and sometimes it is honing down on very specific spend types. Um, we talked previously about uh, how financial data actually has the potential to reveal quite a bit about yourself and about what you value. And so, certainly, I mean, I, you know, in, in all of all of what we've been talking about today around, well, you know, you got to find your happiness and and find your why probably a lot of people are going, but how do I know? How do I know my why? Um, And that's a very good question because uh, I found a chunk of it through my own financial data. And, uh, you know, I often joke that like, I'm quite miserly when it comes to things like electronics and whatnot. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll wait for a better bargain or, or this particular bit of gear is still going fine. I won't need to upgrade it. So, um, and it may buck the trend of what, uh, so someone who works in tech is interested in, which is like, you know, the newest and the best of everything. Uh, but I, that, I, I realized that personally, these big purchases, maybe because of the lifestyle creep aspect of my experience, uh, they kind of irk me. And I'm like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. put it off till the next time. But where I will not hesitate to spend money is food. So going out, to a to a Agreed. great restaurant somewhere, uh, the prospect of a, a great evening uh, and making a memory with some people, uh, these things hold a lot of value to me. Now, I would have really understood that uh, had I not taken a good look at my finances. And so, you know, this is part of what Poxbit does, right? So we we connect to bank accounts, we pull in transactions, and you can take a look at them all in one place. Um, even your online banking app probably does that for you as well. And when you start to dig in to the, you know, sort of the proportions of where you spend your money, um, 
you start to a picture starts to form around the things that do make you happy as well as the things that don't the other thing that really helps is to be able to i guess write a, a bit of a journal around your money and in pocketsmith they've got these places for you to add notes and pictures and attachments uh, and then you can look at them on a timeline almost like a like in an instagram timeline of your financial activity and it's it's a lot of fun for me to go through spells where I do document things. So when I got a really great bargain on something, I might you know write about it in there. If I felt that I overspent on some, on something, I'd I'd also write that down. And when you go back and look at it, seeing in your own words how you felt about a certain purchase helps sort of. Uh, refine this image of who you are and what it is that you value. Because there will be things that you spend money on that you think, I really don't think that was worth the money. And there will be other things that you spend money on and think that was worth every single dollar. I will do that again. And so having control of your money, even before budgeting, is in understanding where to spend your dollar again and where not to spend your dollar in the future. Uh, and... Uh, I, I think that's fascinating because it gives you an insight into into who you are and that's incredibly powerful. And that makes up part of that picture of finding the why of finding what makes you happy. It definitely does. It, it comes back to what we spoke about earlier in the episode around it provides you with that awareness or a little bit more awareness at least of, of who you are and what you care about because the devil is in the detail, as they say. Like it, it, Your yeah. expenses, what you spend money on, will very much reveal uh, what you prioritize, even if maybe that isn't what you would prefer to be prioritizing. I think yes. that can be an interesting revelation for people is when they're saying, oh, my God, I can't believe how much money I spend on X item. Yeah. And they then realize that that's not something they want to do moving forward. And to your point, they decide where they want to spend their dollars again and where they don't want to spend them again. And I agree. It can tell you so much about why you want to earn that money and how you want to use it, uh, mm. which will then probably indicate and influence your um, strategy or at least your budgeting routine moving mm. forward as well. Yeah. We, um, I joked the last time we spoke that uh, when we first launched Pocketsmith and uh, it got into the hands of a bunch of people worldwide and the reviews started rolling in, uh, some of them were on Twitter and you know, they were kind of, it was like praise, but um, also in a horrified sort of way. Like, oh, I've just started using Pocketsmith yeah. and I've taken a look at my finance and oh my God, you know, it's horrifying. <laughs> and all we could say is you're welcome. <laughs> And yeah. of course, there is a sense of, of, uh, of, of, I don't know, fear at, uh, at sort of uncovering stuff, right? But, um, and I, th I think we talked about this before as well. It, it's a gift. It's such a gift. And no one's there to judge you. You're just there to look at this information yourself. And I mean, people spend years trying to find what it is that makes them tick and, and, as you said earlier, sometimes it's the right conversation at the right time. Sometimes it's a life-changing experience. Sometimes it's an insight that just comes out of the blue. But the sooner you have these insights, particularly with money, uh, the better it is going to be for you. Like if you could start at day dot with all of the insights, uh, you'd be financially so much better off today. And so my question to the people who are like, oh, you know, I don't really want to look at my spending, is like, why would you turn down an opportunity to get such important insights about yourself and it's okay if like you know for me i've like i i love sneakers i probably have spent too much money on sneakers um i own it you know like i i love food i love shoes uh this is where i believe i want to prioritize my spending uh and i know there are other things that i don't really care about as much so this is who I am. And if I need to rein it in, I know that I should. Um, but I will not turn a blind eye to any bit of data that can tell me a bit more about myself. Um, you know, it, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable in my own financial skin. It's nice not to have a sense of sort of sweeping stuff under the carpet um, financially, which I think brings a lot of anxiety 
to a lot of people. I think understanding yourself is very much understanding your finances as well. Jason, mm. thank you so much for, for being here. I want to finish or conclude this episode with some, I guess, quick fire points about what makes a truly strong and resilient budget. Obviously, we've gone into depth about so many different aspects and things that underlie a good, strong budget. But for you, are there any things that stand out to you as being a part of your financial system, your budget that works really well? Mm. The, the thing that works the best is having predictability. Uh, and predict predictability for me comes with that sort of standard fixed lifestyle. So I'm not looking to, to push levers up in different aspects of my life. I, I like having things constant. Um, so this way, when you know higher interest rates come, I know that that's one lever that's going to move, but that is that is manageable. Um, beyond that, you know, establishing other areas of predictability uh, around uh, automating payments, for example, uh, having a forecast is another one. So really knowing um, to the best of my ability where I'm going to be three, six, 12, 18 months from now, even if it's just a, a sketch or an idea. There, you know, we talked about the two things, the two types of, of things that would sort of trigger life changes, right? So the, the first one would be things that you put into action yourself. Um, but you know, we, we haven't really talked much about uh, the unexpected, like a lot of economic uncertainty. I think uh, the Reserve Bank's forecasting uh, unemployment to rise to five point something percent, up from three point something. News just broke yesterday that uh, we're technically in a recession for the last quarter, uh, and this this could continue. So it's going to be softening softening demand in the economy, which could have an impact on jobs. So I think that um, like a solid budget really ought to have a buffer wherever possible, or at least an indication of um, you know what we talked about earlier. What is that pessimistic outlook? So don't just sort of set a plan for what's happening right now, um, but actively think about some of the worst case scenarios that could happen. And top of mind for me would be uh, a change in employment circumstances, uh, an unexpected rise in in interest rates again. Uh, although that you know they 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 don't think it's going to happen, but if you're one of the people with your mortgage is about to roll over next year, that definitely should be factored in. Um, do it before it actually happens to you. Um, other things would be like medical emergencies, for example. I have seen firsthand uh, just the impact that it has, not just on your money, but also on time. So, you know, what would it mean if you'd have to take time off to care for a family member, or if you had a medical emergency or a condition that wasn't covered by the public health care system? Um, all of this, of course, matters the older you get. And certainly when you're 20 something, 30, you're pretty, pretty much indestructible. But, you know, these are the things that we often don't think about until they, until they do happen. So, which is to say that a robust budget to me will have in a sort of an emergency fund so that you can weather uh, any unexpected downturns more easily. So, and the best way to do this is, you know, and it's not all doom and gloom, but Again, think about the, the three types of scenarios that I talked about. There's always an optimistic one, and you should always be excited about the optimistic scenario. That's the day-to-day, -day, business as usual, nothing, nothing changes. That's typically the track that we're hitting, but also plan for the worst and go, look, what if this happened? Uh, if we're a two-income household, what if we lost one, if not two, two incomes? Have that conversation. You know, If you're in a relationship, if you have a family, have those conversations early rather than when things happen because financial stress and unexpected financial stress will place a huge burden on your relationships and it's better to be talking about these things well ahead of time poking fun at it pulling it apart talking about how we would deal with it before you're actually in it because having the space and the time and the the relaxed environment in which to gain these things out is one of the best things you could do for yourself I love your approach. It definitely seems like you value the prediction side of things, being able to see to, towards the future, but also working backwards, which I think mm -hmm. is a technique or a strategy a lot of people talk about, but maybe don't implement as much as, as we all should, myself included, like 
being able to look ahead at the potential outcomes, both good and bad. And from that point, work backwards to be like, okay, what's our plan for Mm. those options? The three different options, say a pessimistic, an optimistic and a realistic, Mm. like what are our options and potential plans for those outcomes? And then at least you feel a sense of security and maybe even stability about the fact that you know what you're going to do. So you have some control even when there are the uncontrollables? Absolutely. Just the fewer surprises there are, the better. One of the main reasons we got into this work was to be able to give people a sense of clarity over their money, really to the end of reducing anxiety and stress in their household. Uh, because financial stress is terrible. And you know, even though we started building the product before we got into financial stress ourselves, it's been incredibly important to understand what it's like to to go through it and why how how such planning could be transformative so again uh you know you the other part of the equation is just figuring out how you would best do this it might be talking to some friends it might be sketching stuff on paper years ago we interviewed someone over in the states who and and uh that that link is still i think on our blog and she wanted to get her finances under control and being an artist she just drew a picture of everything that she purchased which is not to say that this is what everyone should be doing but um you know that was her method of coming to terms with her financial situation and i think what that serves to demonstrate is that there are so many ways for you to engage your money beyond what what you're seeing out there you know it it doesn't have to be a calculator or an app or a spreadsheet it could be something that is uniquely you the most important thing is to take a stab at it and and listen to more podcasts like this one engage in conversations with people and just broaden those horizons and to to not be afraid of of budgeting of of um, financial management and really get ahead of the curve before i guess the curve catches up to you and I'm probably being a bit more pressing with this advice because of the outlook for 2024. And if, you know, if this message gets out to someone and it's a timely bit of advice for, for just even one person, I think we've, we've done our jobs, right? Jason, you are a breath of fresh air in this industry, in this space. Um, Especially talking about finances, I feel re-energized, honestly, which sadly doesn't happen too much. Like I, I become a little bit jaded often by chats around around money because it can become the same which is good because there are those foundational elements that should stay the same and should stay consistent Mm. but it often doesn't leave room or space to re-spark joy and create creativeness and inspiration within within our own personal finances so thank you for providing that for us today and and for your time and yeah i really appreciate having your perspective on the podcast well thanks for giving us a chance to share sarah anytime and it's been been a lot of fun having a chat with you today thank you so much for listening to this episode of the one up project if you want to find more stuff just like this check out our other apps or follow us at the one up project on instagram or tiktok see you there